Welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by Rita Marie Benoit. She is the grades three to five curriculum supervisor for the Duxbury Public Schools, where she's responsible for oversight and implementation of curriculum, PD, and technology integration and digital learning. She's also the MassQ featured educator for the month of February. Welcome, Rita Marie. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you. So um, you've been in Duxbury for quite a while, uh, and you've seen sort of the, 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 the changes of technology as they've gone through the education world. You've seen all of it. This is true. It's been a, it's been a journey. Yeah. And, and how so technology has changed greatly since you've been in, in the town of Duxbury. Um, you were you were a middle school teacher in a previous life and then uh, moved to the intermediate school. How do you see technology change in the time that you've been there? That's a great question. I um I think technology has changed multiple times, really, over the course of the time that I've been teaching and now been an administrator. Um, when I was at the middle school, I can remember when I was I taught sixth grade science for several years, many years. and, I taught on a team of teachers that varied from three teachers to five teachers, depending on the time. And we worked as teams often on collaborative projects um, that involved the kids learning across subject areas. And at the time when we first started um, thinking about incorporating technology as a way to help kids with that, we had shared uh, laptop carts, maybe Mm -hmm. a couple of them across the grade level, the building. um, And, you know, the occasional iPad cart. That's sort of where we were at. And we then started getting um, smart boards in the classroom was one of the big things. I remember writing one of my first grants to get a smart board in my classroom. And I had, you know, probably one of the first three in the building. And that was great. That opened all kinds of possibilities. And then we began to see how, you know, more iPads and more um, laptops would really help kids you know, to collaborate. We started to see all of those benefits. So um, initially, I would say that I um, was very interested in what having a variety of technology devices available to kids would do for their level of engagement in any kind of learning. Because at that time, just a, a device was um, engaging enough. Yeah, and right, right, right. what we were going to do with it wasn't even necessarily all that important to the kids. And then it was so fun to be teaching them and showing them the possibilities with these devices. So um, over those next several years, I'd say from maybe 06 to probably when I left in 2012, um, we just kept trying to get um, more devices and more interesting ways to use them um, with the kids. So one of the first things I remember doing um, in my classroom with our smart board was having our kids follow Woods Hole was offering um, their, you know, their troops would always go out on expeditions um, on the, the ships, the different types of ships they had, and they would go do undersea explorations and they would, they would publicize a lot of what they were doing on their blog on the Woods Hole page. And our kids were connecting through the smart board um, Every day they'd come in and check in and find out what the scientists were up to, you know, the day before after they left class and they'd read, they'd watch the slideshow updates. They thought that was so cool to see that the scientists were posting slides. They interviewed a couple of the scientists. Um, They watched videos. They wrote in to the mailbag in like wrote, we 
drafted emails as a class because they didn't have email, but I did. And we'd draft them as a class and send them in and they'd wait to see if the scientists would write back to them. So um, that stuff was amazing. We had them start doing some mystery Skype. We did a lot of project-based learning that involved getting them connected with people around the world, other countries, kids, classrooms, um, learning cultures and all of that. So that's sort of where we were at. Um, when I was a science teacher. And then um, as a district, we were expanding. We were, we were building our one-to-one -one, um, programming and we were using Macs, um, the MacBook Airs for students or the MacBooks. And um, by the time I left and came to this position, part of the reason the position was created was because of this explosion of technology in our district. And um, so when I came to Alden, the middle school was pretty much one-to-one -one for all secondary students down to sixth grade, had enough devices to be one-to-one, -one, but they kept them in school. Um, and so I sort of helped facilitate as part of like all of the digital learning committees at that time, you know, getting that all up and going for the secondary kids. And we identified a need in the elementary schools for instructional coaching, digital coaching to help them um, because they were starting to look at getting more devices and innovative ways to use them too. And so we did get Mimeo boards and so forth when I first got over here. Um, and so in, in part of the, my transition to this position, I went to... Um, Cupertino actually in California to become an Apple certified leader or whatever the title was at that time. Yeah. I don't really know what it was, but it was like a digital, um, lead. Yeah. Apple certified leader. I think it was. And that was really cool. Wow. But, um, and then, so I continued to, when I came over here, continued to write some grants to get more laptops here. When I got here at Alden school, we had we, our buildings on three floors and we have about 10 teachers on each floor. We had two laptop carts in the building of 20. That's what teachers were sharing and yeah. literally signing out the laptop carts. And now we have a device for every student. We have a, we're now Chromebooks over here, mm -hmm. but we've got a Chromebook in for every student. So um, I built sort of our fleet of iPads, which has been interesting because I built that fleet up to be about five or six of them per team. And then we sort of were back down to no iPads here pretty much. Um, and that was mostly because as a district, it was difficult to keep them up to date mm -hmm. enough to be innovative enough, truthfully. Right. And so the kind of the tech department was like, these are kind of unsustainable, you know, for, for to keep replacing them and so forth. So we, we're focused on the Chromebooks now with the kids. Um, and so now I would say in terms of like how it has shifted, a lot of that work, both when I was at the middle school and here, was about helping teachers and kids learn how to use the devices, set up the devices, um, and how to get to different apps, how to get to different programs, how to make programs and apps work well with each other. And the shift now has been more to the teachers and the kids kind of have that. They don't really need me to be helping them with that so yeah. much. Now, now I'm trying to find the ways to help them leverage the technology again to increase engagement. So it was like, you know, we were using it innovatively back when I was a sixth grade teacher to increase engagement. Then we really went through a phase where it was about 
getting more technology so that it could be used as part of the day to day. And now we're back to it's absolutely ingrained as part of our day to day. Some teachers and families feel too much so, you know, it's it's so much a part of what they're doing. We obviously, like all districts, are trying to manage screen time as well. Mm-hmm. But now we want to look at, okay, when do we use the devices? When do we put them aside? And when we're using technology, we want to be using it to do something innovative above and beyond what kids can do without them. And so we're focused on the collaborative opportunities now. We're focused on, um, you know, productivity that can help them um, streamline their personalized learning. You know, students can be students can be providing um, digital outcomes of their learning for teachers to then either be in in real time with them and give them immediate feedback or to be able to view later if they weren't available to be in it at the same time and give feedback mm-hmm. right into the same document. So we do a lot with Google Docs. We do a lot with Google Sheets. Um, the kids are, you know, obviously always doing group learning in those, you know, with those opportunities that Google offers for them to all be in a shared document and so forth. But then we also have a lot of, we have tools like iReady that help us with personalized learning. So when kids aren't working collaboratively, at least the path they're on in their digital um, devices is very personalized to what they need. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of words and like, I'm not sure it had a focus. Yeah, no, but I mean, you've, but, but you nailed it. It's, I mean, it's really what has happened with technology from, you know, in the last 20 years, what technologies look like in a school district, right? It was, you wheel in the, 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 the computer cart, like we used to wheel in a TV and VCR and everyone puts their hands up and is excited. Like, Hey, we're using, we're doing something fun today. Or, Oh, Mr. Hall's showing a video today. Now it's, you know, take them out of your backpack. You've got to do an iReady assessment. And then we're going to work on a choice board. Uh, and, and personalized learning now is such that, I mean, I think about myself as a student, I would, how I would have benefited from yeah, personalized learning like that. It, it doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be like, okay, here's the worksheet that everyone is going to do right now. And you're all going to do every single problem. Um, and I remember thinking like, if a teacher said like, okay, I need you to do 10 out of these 15 and be like, oh, wow, what a deal. Yeah. Uh, but now everything is like that. It's so personalized for every kid that, you know, you mm-hmm. get on and you do your iReady assessment and you know, it's, it's working you towards a goal and it's, you know, without you realizing or without the kids realizing it, they're getting to a point where, you know, they can either meet or exceed where their peers are at um, or, or get that, um, the, the remediation that they need. Uh, and everybody's doing it at the same time and they don't, you know, kid next door doesn't know that, you know, you're working on something that they worked on three weeks ago and they don't right. have to. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And I think that part of like, so now part of that challenge is teachers like figuring out where does that fit in? Is it every kid's on iReady at once or am I running, you know, a choice board and some kids are working on their iReady and some kids Mm -hmm. can be with the teacher getting, you know, a second dose of the tier one lesson or an intervention lesson that iReady has helped them identify as something the student's going to need as a prerequisite for tomorrow's math lesson or, or whatnot. So um, I think we're still we're still feeling the bumps. This is our first year with iReady, so teachers are feeling the bumps of that. You know, where do I fit this in? How does this fit into my workshop model or or whatnot? And where do I need to trim lessons down? And where do I need mm-hmm. to give more time for this personalized experience? Um, yeah. 
Now, in a, in a different way, we've we've been with iReady for I don't know six or seven years now, and we're kind of on the other side of it, where the where the teachers and the kids are kind of like, we've done iReady. We, we're kind of done with iReady. What what can we? What other platforms are out there? They're going to give us the same kind of thing, but at the same time, you know, how do how do we keep that balance of like, okay, we we've been doing iReady. I you know, as a student, you could join start doing iReady as a, as a first grader, and now you're in seventh grade, you've been doing iReady every year. Yeah. What, what's next? What are we doing here? So right. we're, we're getting some of that. It's, it's a different kind of pushback. Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, you know, I, I'm feeling those pains a little bit with our math program. Mm -hmm. So we, our math program is also digital. We're, we use the Savis um, mm -hmm. Vision 2020 yep. math Program. Same thing in 2014 when we we piloted in 2012 13 we piloted three programs yeah. we s unanimously selected Envision 2020 yep. and are actually at that time 16 and we're super excited about all of the technology pieces and and all of that and the kids were so highly engaged mm -hmm. in the new but now our fifth graders have been for six years in Envision with the same lesson format pretty much every day and, you know, getting the same kind of like, you know, where oh. can I trim this back a little bit and not do all the parts of a lesson so that I can add in something really, you know, highly engaging for kids that they're not doing every day yeah. from, you know, kindergarten to fifth grade. So it's the same, it's the same thing. It's almost like you, and you know, when you look at technology in a way and the personalized learning and the platforms, it really does. Um, you think back to the autonomy teachers had and like teachers style from teacher to teacher was so different in mm -hmm. how they addressed the standards. And now when you have a platform like this, like it takes a little bit of that teacher style out of it to a degree. And so kids are getting the benefit of a very shared experience mm -hmm. as all the other kids in the nine other classrooms across fourth grade say. But also there is the challenge of that that personal touch from a teacher. Yeah, yeah. That you kind of remove when you have something that's a digital platform and kind of takes some of the sage on the stage out of the teacher's hands um, right. and allows them to sort of be more circulating with the kids and working with groups. And it takes they, they don't need to be at the front of the room all the time. All of these things are great moves. But when you have that digital platform, you know, kids are getting the same same experience year over year right you know at some point they do look for something different so how do we tap into that tech to increase student engagement in in an, in other ways like we we've got those digital platforms that we're using for remediation and for skill building um what are we do what are you guys doing to increase student engagement in the classroom what kinds of things are you seeing i think that uh, probably student agency mm -hmm. is the sweet spot that we're going for right now in terms of trying to tap and elevate engagement. So um, we're, we're tr trying to talk a little bit about, you know, say, for example, in literacy, we want to make sure that while we're giving students a balanced diet of um, independent reading books, for example, for comprehension, the balanced diet has to include some books that will increase the skills we're working on with the students in the moment, but they have to also include books that are um, highly engaging to the student that they've had, you know, some voice in selecting, right? Book groups for that same reason, mm -hmm. group books connected by interest. We have teachers here who um, are doing, you know, 
20% projects and oh, genius great. hour yeah. projects and things like that. So I think the more we can find the places where maybe if, a, if use keeping math as the example, if you've got an envision lesson that is, you know, written to take, you know, 35 minutes to teach, perhaps we take the most important teaching point from the lesson, teach a 10 to 12 minute mini lesson, if you will, and allow the kids to be involved in application type projects yeah, yeah. that they have some voice in and that connect them again, connect them to, you know, issues, world issues, current events, anything that's going to bring up that level of them wanting to talk to each other, <clears throat> engage with each other, you know, and, and have these like accountable talk opportunities because they need to learn at our level. They really need to learn how to have those conversations with each other in a respectful and um, engaging way so that everybody is heard in the conversation and mm -hmm. it keeps going forward. Right. Yeah. So those skills are like the soft skills that we're teaching kids is how do you have a conversation around a book you're reading on a social issue? Right. What's that conversation look like? And so I think in terms of of like how does technology how do we leverage technology to keep the engagement up it has to be about you know what are what is it that kids are doing naturally with technology that we can um at least tap into the same places in their brain if you will when they're in school and have them doing the same kinds of things so if if TikTok is their thing and they're making videos and you know entertaining themselves by making and and watching videos and things like that then what can we do that kind of simulates that we're not putting our kids on TikTok at all in school but we certainly can have them creating short videos they can use flip in a right. similar way and yep. at least have those same kinds of experiences with each other right so we yeah. have to think about what's motivating kids on the daily outside of school and what's an appropriate way for us to help them um leverage technology to shoot for a similar experience i guess is yeah where I'm yeah that. yeah I, and i know like we have a you know we have a flex block that's built into our day uh as i think you guys do too correct uh like you, like a wind block yeah yeah we've started working toward that we don't have it in at our level we don't have it at the middle school they do but we don't have okay. a flex block yet but but in that space right that becomes sort of a place where kids can can explore and do some of that extra stuff um you know and learn some of those skills and um i know at my daughter's school they have a wind block and they have uh, they do presentations every Friday on, on on a topic, and it's any time like you know the teacher will give a very broad topic, and it'll say you know your favorite artist, mm -hmm. period. That's it, and yeah. it's and then it's the kid getting up there and giving a presentation and having the the power you know the the Google slideshow behind them, but not reading directly off the Google slides. And she's in fifth grade, but um, it's it's that kind of stuff that that those flex blocks. They're gosh, they're just so good for. You know, you can tap into student engagement. You can tap into the things that, like you said, with TikTok, like if they're into making video or digital design, like really tap into that stuff and have the kids showcase the work that they can do. Yeah. Um, when we've been able to really leverage that time, and it's tough um, because the last thing you want to do is tell teachers like, okay, you got to stop doing your ELA right now. Even though we're focused on test scores, you got to stop your ELA, you got to stop your math because um, we want to give you this free block of time in the middle of the day. And they're like, what do you mean you're going to, you're taking time away from something else to, for us to do what? 
you know, right. un, unstructured time. Um, right. But once the the once you pass sort of that point uh, and and get into it, I, I think th- the sky's the limit, really. Yeah. I mean, and I and I feel like, I mean, we've been focused on project based learning, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a concept since before we built the new middle co-located middle and high school, because we, I can remember sitting on the committee for the design of that building and talking about, you know, high tech high in California and all of these really innovative structures that allow for project-based learning. So we have that in mind as we built, but I do feel like over the years, project-based learning is very highly engaging for kids, but isn't that the challenge of it every time I feel like anyone ever talks about hitting sort of roadblocks with project-based learning. It's that diversion from teaching the quote standards, the content of the grade, the content of the subject, and that fear of if the students choose the project, if the students choose the direction for their learning, this other stuff that has to happen isn't, I can't, I can't feel assured it's going to happen and Mm -hmm. I'm going to get to it for every student. And that's all, that seems like it's always been the challenge of like how, how do I balance that knowledge that I really am responsible for these billions of standards? It seems like the kids have to learn every year, right. but knowing that the really the best learning experiences with the most sticking power for them are the ones that are more project based and more student centered. And it's like, if you can find that sweet spot, it's, it's, that has to be where the amazing learning is happening, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I and I, it, to, to that point, the amazing learning, right? I think it, at some point, the teacher has to step back, the administrator has to step back and say, you know, go for it. Just let the kids go for it. And we're going to have outcomes. Uh, there's Things are going to happen. Um, you know, it, may be, it might be great. It might not work. But we got to take a risk here somewhere. You know, it's funny you say that, Brandon, because when – I was still teaching sixth grade, a colleague in mine, she taught the math on our team and I taught the science. And we, that's exactly the conversation we had with our principal that year. We had this concept that we actually ended up doing for two or three different years before I came over here. And we, you know, had kids learning about renewable energy sources in my science classes. And she was doing geometry through building structures, right? And we had the kids choosing renewable energy sources and building model homes Mm whatever energy source they felt was appropriate for their home. And, you know, they did the research on certain renewable energies and they taught each other. It was amazing. And the things that they built and the operating parts that they sort of made models for were crazy. They were like, it was awesome. And you probably got a lot of the like, well, this is just science. They're losing out on ELA. They're losing out on history. But no, they're not. They're learning the research skills that they would get in history. They're writing. They're doing presentation skills that they would get in ELA. Like that's sort of the expansion of the the worldview that we need. And I can remember right where we were sitting in my classroom when we sat down with my, my principal at the time. And we both said like, listen, we have this idea we want to do this. We're all about it, but you have to promise us you have our back next year when the MCAS results come out, because mm. we just don't know. We don't know what this is going to do. Right. And he was like, I've got your back. Yeah. And like, that was the most freeing thing. And we, it, it was truly the kids that I run into as adults. That's what they remember from sixth grade science was that project. So yeah, that's so cool. You know? So in looking at that, how do we get our teachers to kind of get since the pandemic hit and the technology has been everywhere all over the place. And some people have pulled back and said like screen time is an issue and, you know, 
kids are going home and being on screens and they're here in school and they're in screens, but we've got, we've got the ability to leverage technology to connect with the rest of the world. How do we sort of rebuild the bandwidth of our teachers to, to use tech for innovation in the classroom? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think time, you know, giving them, finding them some time. Like I love, you know, the work that people are doing with a wind block mm -hmm. or a block such as that, where this, you know, kids go and get to choose uh, the teacher in the building that they're going to work with during that time for X amount of weeks or whatever, because of what that teacher's offering and that that's a passion project for, for those students. I think that's a great way and a great time. You, you, you've built this structure in the schedule where nothing else is happening for anyone. So my MCAS scores are going to look just like the teacher next to me because they're doing the same thing. I'm not out there doing this alone. So I think that's one place we can, you know, if we do something like that as buildings or, you mm -hmm. know, grade levels or districts, it, it helps kind of even the playing field for everybody. Everybody's into something innovative. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that because of our focus on technology with all the digital platforms and just trying to get through the pandemic with them, I do think that teachers probably haven't had the time or the inclination right now um, as they're closing gaps, academic gaps for kids. They probably haven't um, had, like you said, the bandwidth to say, wonder what's out there that's mm. new that might, you know, engage the kids or present this material in a different um, way. And I think like if districts have coaches like digital learning coaches on the ground that actually, you know, their entire day is in and out of classrooms and offering to co-teach with the teacher mm -hmm. to get them up and running with a new concept or, you know, just flooding them with opportunities um, to see what strikes them as something that they're interested in. I think that's a great way to go after it as well, to be able to have people that are actually immersed in the classroom on the day to day and can help. I, I think that like we've toyed with the idea of, you know, um, innovation specialists that take take kids almost like on a special basis. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like it's, it's one of their specials. But we've here we've kind of felt like then that takes that learning away for the teacher, because if they even if they're present, but they're working on something because they, they're trying to be efficient with their time. It's not the same as them really learning it alongside a coach, yeah. the kids and learning it with the kids. Um, so I do think that's a, if you have a staff person like that, that's a way to leverage this too. Yeah. And it's such a delicate balance to, to be in someone else's classroom and, and co-teaching with them and their students and being cognizant of, you know, this is their space and what they're comfortable with doing and what you're comfortable with doing. Um, it, it's, it's a tight rope to walk. Uh, that can be a tough one. Yeah. Um, Rita Marie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is a great conversation about teaching and learning and ed tech. And, um, I mean, we're like next door neighbors here in Duxbury and Pembroke, right? Um, yes, yes. I, I play golf with your husband all the time. It's, it's so nice to finally meet you. I know. I know. I was like, I had forgotten that we even met at MassQ when we were there last time. And, uh, Yeah. Well, hope, hope to see you next month um, at the Leadership Conference in uh, yeah. in Worcester at Holy Cross. That would be great. I know. I, I hope I can get there for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Rita Marie. Thanks for coming on the Get a Q podcast. All right. Thank you, Brandon. You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ. Here to educate, connect, and inspire.